Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week we'll be speaking from Yerushalayim. First time I've been here for circus in almost a decade. Mama Shabik Simcha have an Adim here. It's a tremendous marvelous tyrant. Big Simcha to be here and with his children and in general Yerushalayim. Ah. You could feel the, the ruach of the Aliyah Laregel. I could hear the clinking and clanking on the, of the steps. I could hear the karbanis Renamol being carried through or being walked through the courtyards. The Rishim remains 2,000 years later. I said over years ago, I believe it was from the Rebbe Rabbanim of Pshischa, he says that when they sent spies up to Eretz Yisrael, Yeshua, he says they had to be cheresh. Nobody knows what cheresh means. Some of Farshim say cheresh, they had to be as quiet as the deaf. You couldn't hear them. He says the deaf doesn't hear. And Rabbanim says, no, they had to be deaf people. And he says, why? He said, because 40 years before, Kuala Yisrael had sent the Miraglam to Eretz Yisrael. And what did the Miraglam say? Eretz Echelos Yeshver. He said, 40 years later, this negativity of Eretz Yechelas was still echoing through the lands of Eretz Yisrael. And if you would send up Numeraglam 40 years later, they would still pick up the whisper of those ancient words. So he said they had to be cherished. They had to be those that if they couldn't hear, they couldn't hear the echoes. So I tell you in Eretz Yisrael today, I hear the echo of the thousands or millions of Eilaragalam that for so many years came up. Tremendous Simcha. I've been, I came here to speak in a number of places. So this week we're going to do a mixture of old and new. We're going to do a mixture. Some of the old is going to be, we have some old interviews that were like, we thought like some of the better interviews. Hilcha's Dalad Minim, common Shilas for the Dalad Minim. How much should you be spending? You know, on an S-Rig, you can spend $50, you could spend $5,000. Now, if you spend $5,000, maybe your wife won't be getting a nice dress for Yomtif. Maybe your kids won't be getting nice clothing or toys. So what's the sheer, how much precedence do we give to the purchase of an S-Rig? And then we'll have, well, that'll be Rabbi Aaron Tversky, Reish Chaburin, Best Medrash Kavoya, he's the Rav and the Albert Shul. Had a shop for an S-Rig. You know, this is once a year. We're not Bekiyim in it. What does the Gemara say? We don't uh, do Lulav on Shabbos because Shemi Avirenu Daladamis, you're going to go to a Chacham to teach him. Well, because we don't know any of the Halachas. Some of them are very, what to look for? What's the minimum to be Yaitzeh? What, what's the minimum of an, this is a Kosher Esrig? What's a Hidur? What's the difference between all the different types of Esrigim? There's Chazenish, and there's Temina, and there's not Chazenish, and there's Yanava, there's Vision, it's a, there's 20 different types of Isragim. What does it all mean? So what should you be looking for when buying an Esrig? What does a Hechshar on the Esrig box mean? You'll be really very surprised when you hear the answer to that, what the Hechshar on the Esrig box means, and much more. We're going to have one of the most uh, expert, how do you become an expert in this? Somebody, he's a Moicher Esregim for many decades, Yaakov Moishe Chalap, named after his great-grandfather. He's going to talk to us about, as a purchaser, or as a seller of Esregim, these are the things you should be looking for. Mitzvahs of building and sitting in a sukkah. What to be careful about when making a sukkah. What mats are kosher v'schach. And more importantly, what mats are not kosher v'schach. What do you do if your mat rolls up on Yom Tif? Can you, oh, here's an interesting one. You're going, to, you're going to Great Adventure. You're going down to Carolina. Can you go on a trip to a place that doesn't have a sukkah? Is someone who's already sleeping obligated in the midst of sukkah? Do you have to wake them up? Very fascinating, Shaila. Had Rosh Hashanah we spoke about, and uh, other Gedolim talk about it. This is going to be with Rosh Hashanah Francis Machaba of the Laws of Erev, and he's a sukkah expert. So it should make really a very practical
Before we do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you seven riddles on Sukkot, one for each night. I hope you write it down, and I hope you make a big tumble by your sukkah table. And if you're reading by your shver, maybe you can, you know, get that, get him really interested. Or if you have an Adem with a Talmud Chacham, you can talk to him. So we'll give you seven fabulous sukkah riddles. Before, I want to say a small, like a really a short vart. You know, in sukkah, we go into the sukkah. What does the sukkah represent? I have a hargosha in sukkah this year that came clearer. We spoke about in the uh, Yomim Narayim, the avoid of the Yomim Narayim is to take your pen back. We spoke about how in the United States, annually, there's a whole list of things to do. There's make sure to check your air conditioning filters before the heating season, before the cooling season, and bring in a heating expert before the heating season, because you don't want to be on a cold Shabbos in January, and it's always on Shabbos that the heating goes down, right? So check that. You check your, your, your car to the mechanic once a year. And of course, you go to, for a, you're supposed to go for a physical once a year. One thing it doesn't say once a year is to sit down and make a cheshbin. Is my life going directionally to where I want it to go? And more than that, how much of my life am I actually writing the chaysim yadambai where I have the pen and I'm writing my autobiography? And how much of my life is forced on me because I was pushed into a trajectory. Your parents sent you to a school. The school sent you to a high school. Your friends sent you to a base medrash or to a other type of school, like to college. You, you had to get married to a certain girl because that's what your parents and your friends expected. And society. at what point do you say, I want to write my own biography? I want it to be an autobiography. The avoid of the Yom Narayim is to take a pen and to say, where is my life going? And am I taking it in the direction I would like to? And the thing that has to do with Malchias is because all the Malchias of the Rabbi Shalms expressed through the Avaidas Adam, we are an expression of the Malchias of Kaviachal. Without Adam, what do you have? You have forests, trees, animals, and rivers. Malchias is only through the Adam. So the Shippur of the Adam, of his Maisim and his direction, that is an expression of Malchias. What commitment to a change, just one change of Rabbi Shal Salata says, did we take a pen and write pages? Because I did. I wrote pages and pages. What I think I would like to take in a new direction. So what happens? A person makes a commitment. They sat down. They wrote and they wrote. When I was, what do I really want me to look like? Absent all this outside pressure. But then what happens right after Yom Kippur? You sit down on your couch again. And you're drinking your coffee, and your wife made you some uh, mazoinus to eat. And five minutes after Yom Kippur, you, you barely remember the whole story, what you worked on for 10 days of the Sarah or maybe whole So what does it say? No, go right into the sukkah. Get out of your box. Leave your comfort zone. Whatever you decided to do, and if you did it right, where you took a notebook and you wrote, and you said, this is the new me, this is what I make a commitment to, could be one thing, but it's a new, a change in direction. Well, you know what? If you're back on your couch, it's no. If you're out in the sukkah, you're out of your environment, you're at least giving that commitment, the opportunity to be habit-forming without being overridden by your couch, your, 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 your comfortable chair, wherever you are. So what's the sukkah? To format, to create habit to create the ability post Yom Kippur to really see Shipru Maiserim, how does that actually make a change? That's the discussion of, of, of Sukkah. That's my uh, my thought for this this holy Yom Tif, what I plan on doing in the Sukkah. I was actually thinking of doing something 
we have a shul called the Balshem Tov Shul, of making a party one night and asking everybody, or asking some people, maybe get up in front of Eilam and tell us what do you want to change and let everybody applaud you. You know, like you'll have the, in, 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 in the Gaish world, when, when football players get, you know, they, they get selected by a team, they bring all their whole family together and they start roaring, oh, this team selected me in the draft. And it's a whole, why can't we do that to say, this is the change that I elected to make? Because by sort of advertising it and bringing other people in on it, 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 it fa- creates like, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing with your project? How are you doing? We, if, 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 if whatever media, was it kinna that's driving you crazy? Is it regret? Is it, you know, say the halimud? You spoke about it three months ago. No, how's it going? So it's just an element by being sort of a to be mechazaket and to make it into a simcha. Well, that's what I see, the avoid of the Amnarayim and Sukkah, a avoid of the Amnarayim and Sukkah. But let's go to our uh, seven riddles. Okay, we will send out a Sefer. You have to get four out of the seven right. So here's the first riddle. Some are easy, and some are going to get hard. The Gemara says that you don't say Hal on Rosh Hashanah Yim Kippah. Why? Sifrei meis, chayim sifrei meisim, suchem lefanecha. And you're saying how? How is like sort of it's a time of you know praise, joy, singing, laughter, jumping, dancing. When when people's lives are at stake, we don't laugh, we don't sing, we don't dance. So here's the problem: on Hashanah which is the the, 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 the we say Piskatava, most of the world means Tachsimas Hadin. It's given over on Hashanah and the Baltzilu is a kittel. The Matafraim says. Whatever tnoim you have to have for a baltfila on the Amnarayim, the same thing as on Hashanah He can't be somebody who, he should be somebody who preferably has children. He should be older. He should be of Benabrius. He should be married. He should have a zakan. He shouldn't have a hetamei rabbanim. Whatever it is, it shouldn't be for Hashanah either. And yet, Hashanah you say, hello. So if they're right, the Kadmainim, this goes back all the way, you know, the Matamaisha brings it from, from the Kabbalah, from Kadmainim, Kafachayim, I write that it is the, the, the Piskitav, it is the Yemadin. What are we doing saying, um, how? Sifri Chaim, Sifri Beisim, Suchem, and you're saying how? That is our first riddle. Now here's our second riddle. If you, uh, you miss saying Shechianu, the first days, you forgot. So the Sharetzian in Tafresh Samach Beis of Katandalad brings from the Primagadim. Uh, you miss saying Shechianu the first days. You don't say it again if you take it on another day. It could be in Beijing, Gimel, that's it. It's, uh, it's Avazmane, Batal Kabane. It was with the first day that you said a thing, that you say Shechianu. So the question is like this, that the Shulchan Aruch says in Hilchus Hanukkah, Simen Tav Reish Ayin Vav Siv Aleph, that Hamadlik Belil Rishayin, Says the Shechianu. You make three brachas. You make Lahadlik, uh, Shasanisim, and you make Shechianu. What happens if you forgot to make Shechianu on the first night? You can make Bilal Shani, Aikishayiska, whatever you want. What does the Mishnah Bura say? Instead of cutting bays, Kishayiska, Bishar Halelus, Bishas Adlaka. So the question is, why by Lulav do we say if you didn't make the Shechianu by Natilas Lulav? The first day, you can't make it anymore. And why do we say about Hanukkah if you didn't make it the first day? You can make it for the rest of Hanukkah. That is our second riddle. Now here's a third shayla. The Mishnaburuk writes, brings it from the Bikuri Yankif. The Mishnaburuk is in Tafresh Lamentels. 
639s of cotton memches. Shemisha Kiddush Belil Sukkis, right? And somebody made Kiddush and he started eating. And then his wife says to him, Oh, Yassel, the roof is, the schlock is hot. So what does he have to do? He has to make another leish of a sukkah and he has to eat another kezayas while he was eating in a sukkah psula. Kiddush he doesn't have to make again. You can make Kiddush in the house, Stam Akiv and Shachiyan, or you can make on the Binyan a sukkah. It's Stam Akiv, but just the Leishiv basukkah you made is Pasal, and the Yeshiva sukkah so you'd have to have another Kazayas. So the question is like this. Why do we say, the Mishnurul Mashal says in Simen Ches of Katnam Aleph, somebody ate a bracha on his talus, and his talus, the tzitzis were Pasal, or tzvillin and they were Pasal, but right away he saw it, he chapped it after the bracha, and he put in tzitzis, Ksherim, right? He's not Chayzerim of Arach, because since he was a dying Le'asim at he wasn't like Mesiach There's He's focused on doing the right thing till, till, till the thing is. So the question is, why if somebody made Kiddush in Real Sukkah, and then he realized that what? That the Gag is, oh, he made a Leshev, and the Gag is on, and he rushed right away to open the Gag. Why don't you say, if he rushed right away, he realized it, Mamish, a second later, and he went and he opened the Gag, he has to make another Leisha Basukka. Why do we say it's the same thing like by he had Pasalatzitzis and he put on Kasher Tzitzis, he realized right away. Here there was no Hesachadas between the actual Maisa Mitzvah. Here there's no Hesachadas till the actual Maisa Mitzvah. That you should be able to be Yaitza with the same Mitzvah. That is the uh, the uh, third riddle of the week. Here's a very Chikava Shaila. It's not the most Lamdish Shaila, but it's a Chikava Shaila. The Gemara says, Adam that's and he wanted to do a mitzvah. He was going to go and pick up somebody and be mavaka chayla and this and that. And then he goes running out to his car and somebody's blocking his driveway and he can't go to mavaka chayla, he can't go to tzolik or whatever it is. It's chishav, kilo asad, takes your machshava and he says as if you did it. Why? Because intent is what matters. I, there was an inus. Good, an Ainus happened, there was intent. So here's the problem. By Sukkah, what do we say? Yardu Shamim Bechag. And he, the first night it rains, and he can't be Mekayim, it's for Sukkah. It's a Simen Klala. Hashem is showing you that what? He doesn't want your mitzvah. So I don't understand something. And if your driveway is blocked and you're running out to do a Hatzalah call, why don't you say the same thing? Hashem is showing you he doesn't want your mitzvah. Why by Sukkah do we say? Uh, if mitzvah sukkah, and it rained, and it rained, it rained, sorry, chishiv's nothing, it's a semen klala. And why by every other mitzvah do we say, in the Gemara Brachas, chishiv adam lasis mitzvah, it's the intent what counts. What's the difference? That is our, uh, where are we? Fourth riddle of the week. Here's a, uh, a kasha for the lamdim. Let's go now to sukkah. Sukkah and aflamaralov, what does it say? Rebeleza says, if karka is nigzelis, if the karka of the sukkah is stolen, it's a sukkah gzulahi. So Shaila, could karka be nigzelis? Can't be karka be nigzelis? Could you steal karka? Karka is always where it is. So the Shaila is that called gzulahi. You could take away the tashmish, but I can't really steal the karka. Shaila and the Gemara, could you steal karka? But he says, karka could be stolen. And therefore, since it is, it's karka gzula would be possible for sukkah. Karka gzula could be possible for sukkah. You don't need karka in your sukkah. It's just echi that you shouldn't fall to the, to, you know, into the ether. But it's just like there's no dinim on the walls. There's no dinim on the stach. So how could karka gzula be a psul in the sukkah when there's no dinim on the tfanis? Karka could be, uh, the karka could be tomei. The karka could be whatever psul in the karka could have. 
doesn't have to be Psyolus Tsengar and Vyekov, of course, it's Karka. But I'm saying, so if the walls, if there's no Dinim on the walls, and there's no Dinim on the Karka, how could Karka Gzula possibly be a Psul and Sukkah when Sukkah is Alshay Maschach? Right, this is our fifth riddle of the week. And here's our sixth riddle of the week. The Gemara in Sukkah, Daphnun Vavamad Aleph says, Amarav, what do you do? What do you do first? Leishiv Basukkah? Or afterwards, Shachianu. What do you do in your sukkah? We make a Shachianu last. In fact, you matter why, even though Shachianu is Tadir and Tadir, Vishayna Tadir, Tadir Kaidim, Leishiv Basukkah, you make, you know, seven nights a year, um, seven days a year. And Shachianu, you can make, you know, every week if you wanted to, but certainly more than seven times a year. On mitzvahs, you do more than seven times a year. Then if you buy clothing or fruits or etc., many more times. So Shachianu is Tadir. Which Tadir is not its exercise of Tadir is what is more Chashev? Chashev is the, the friend who you see often, you build a greater bond, he has a greater friendship than the guy you see, right? Tadir Tadir is a Svara in Chashivas in, in, in Mitzvahs, right? So, the Mishnabura writes in the beginning of Simantafre Shain Bays that you should be Magdam be Mispal Mairev. Before Hadlakas Neiris of Hanukkah. Why? Because Mairiv is Tadir, and the Neiris are Eine Tadir. So Tadir comes before Eine Tadir. But wait, we just said a Klaal and Sukkah that is true as a rule of Tadir. Kiddushas Hayyim, something that's a coming, a special, once a year occurrence, etc., that overrides the Cheshivas of Tadir. Why don't you say the same thing by Hanukkah? Why do you say Davin Meyer before Hadlakas Neiris? Say Hanukkah is the Kedushas Hayoyim, it's a mitzvah Hayoyim, it's something special. Everybody waits all year for the Hanukkah and the Hanukkah presents, right? So it should override the mile, the, the, the mile of Tadir, just like Leishib Asukkah overrides the Shechianu. That is our sixth riddle. Our, our seventh riddle is going to be a little bit of a longer riddle, but if you, everybody knows that is the famous Reb Chaim that we've struggled with on a number of occasions, and it's too good of a chance not to say it on Sukkot. But Reb Chaim was asked the following, Shiloh. fellow had two esrikim. He had one esrik, it's really from the Beis HaLevi. And Shiloh, he says, somebody had an esrik that was for kasha, but as ugly as could be. And then he had another esrik that was beautiful, right? But you weren't sure. It could have been possible. Why? Maybe it was a morkiv. Right, its provenance was uh, was dubious. Which one do you take? So most people would say, well, take the kasha to be safe. So the Beis HaLevi's Chiddush, Reb Chaim's Chiddush was, no, take the, the beautiful one, shake with that, put it down, and then shake with the with the uh, ugly one. Why? If the be- beautiful one, the Hadar, was takakasha, you did the mitzvah behidurai. If it's that, well, nothing, nothing gay, nothing lost, then pick up the second one and be yaitza with the second one, the mitzvah, and uh, this way you were yaitza either mamanashah, you were yaitza, maybe you were yaitza behidur. That was Reb Chaim's thing. So we've asked through the years many questions, and I'll get to them, but we're going to ask three questions on Reb Chaim. So those of you who learn in you know, in Lamdash Yeshivas, write down the three Shailos and Reb Chaim. One is new, and two we've said in the past. The one that's new is the Taisvis in Sukkah, Lamites, Samar Aleph, Divriya Maschal Oiver writes that you could bench on the Dalad Minim even if you already were Yaitz of the Mitzvah. You know, you did your Natila. Why? He says, because you still have to do the Nanuim. You have to shake them. And the Nanuim is a Chalik of the Mitzvah. It's a Mitzvah Menamufcher. 
as long as you're still involved in the mitzvah, it's still called Ayver Lassiyasen. You can still make the bracha. So, you know, just not consider that, sorry, you did the mitzvah already, it's too late. No, I'm still involved. I'm still called before the end of the mitzvah. It doesn't have to be before the beginning of the mitzvah. He says, Taisis Chiddush is even before the end of the mitzvah. And Nanuim is considered part of the mitzvah. So, if they watch the Chiddush and Abes Halevi, what should he do? Of course, he should do both. Right? Why? Because he doesn't complete the mitzvah until all the Nanuim are finished. So, you can take tennis regan beforehand and, and make a bracha, and the bracha, and, and it won't be, over until he finishes the Nanuim. That would be our first. Whereas the Vesalevi was understanding that if you picked up the Hadar, the, the Kasher, and you shook it, and you picked it up rather, at that point, sorry, it's, the, the mitzvah is over, and now when you pick up the Nai, it's too late. Taisi's saying, it ain't too late until you finish the Nanuim. You got a long time, you got another, t- if you do those long Nanuim, you know, with the, all the Kavanis, it could be another 10 minutes till. So, so do both, do three, it doesn't matter. That's our first Ara. On Abchaim, a new Ara. The second ara we mentioned last a few weeks ago was from Ablazer Silva. Ablazer Silva brought the, the Rashi who says that if a person mixed up his carbon, two carbonis, one needs smicha and one doesn't. So what he should do is he should be macro both of them. But he can't make a, a bracha on the carbon that needs the smicha. Why? Because maybe you don't know which one is the one that needs the smicha. Maybe the one that you're gonna do first you're gonna do smicha on first, the one that doesn't need it. The action of doing smicha on the carbon that doesn't need it would remain a hefzik. And therefore, since there's a mice hefzik, the bracha would be a bracha levatala, because the fact that you did the smicha on the second behema, you had a hefzik in the middle of a, of a carbon that didn't need it. So Tysus learns that a mice creates a hefzik too. Not just a dibur, but a mice in vain that's not necessary for this would create a hefzik. So we ask, he asked Tanrab Chaim, if making smicha on a carbon that doesn't need smicha is a heftig, and therefore you can't make a bracha, picking up the esrig that doesn't, that is maybe the, the murkav, right? That's a maisa. It's a maisa of paslas, because you're not yaitza, and l'chaira should be a heftig, like Rashi. And that would be reason not to do like the, uh, like the Beis HaLevi suggested. That was the second R in the Beis HaLevi. And the third R that we asked on the Beis HaLevi is, this is from years ago, we said that, what's the base Halevi's vart? Once you did a maise and you yaitze the mitzvah, you cannot do it anymore behidr because it's over, right? Story's over. So we asked on the base Halevi, what do we do by Megillah? Everybody reads the Megillah. What are the last psukim in a Megillah? Everybody says, and, and, and after you say the pasik, the last psukim of the Megillah, then the Balkaira leaves it out loud. According to the Beis HaLevi, once you read the last Pasuk by yourself, you were Yaitza Mitzvah's Megillah, according to the Shulchan Aruch. You were Yaitza Mitzvah's Megillah. When the Balkaira does it, and you learned it from a Chumash, most people read it from a Chumash, right? Some people own a fancy Megillah of a Chulu. But certainly not. Nashim, Nashim, Iktanim. They certainly, Nashim and most Tzcharim read it from a Megillah. Once they read it from the Megillah, they be Yaitza B'Dyeved. Once you Yaitza B'Dyeved, according to the Beis HaLevi, you can't be Yaitza L'Chadchil anymore. It's over, it's finished. The book is closed. So it comes out that Klal Yisrael does it backwards. First, the Baltfila should read it from the Megillah. Everybody's Yaitza. Then Klal Yisrael, everybody should read it from their Chumash. By reading it from their Chumash first, we show that the mitzvah is not nistam at the time of the Gemara of the Asiyah, but it could continue 
into the time of Hidr, that the Hidr remains part of the mitzvah even after the, 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 the minimum amount of the mitzvah was done, which goes negative to the Chiddush So these were our three Haras on the Beis HaLevi. If you get four riddles right, we will um, send you a beautiful cipher after Yom Tif. As long as you need, leave your name and address. We know where to ship it. I wish to all our listeners should have a Chag, Kasher Sameach. It should be a Yom Tif where, where the, 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 any of the the Kabbalists, the the realizations, the enlightenment that came to us through the Avoid of Rosh Hashanah and Kippah should be sort of cemented into our Avoid Sayyim when we say we really made a change in direction and it had an impact on us, these Yamim Naroim. And this should be a Sukkis Abola in Ulatayvla called Yisrael. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33-011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh, 02-372-0304. Now let's go to our wonderful guests. Phone with us, Diane Aaron Twersky. He's a Diane of the Pawnee community in Lakewood. He's a Mishchabura in Beis Medrash Gavaya, and he's also a Musmach of the Yeshiva of Lakewood. And we're going to be speaking to him about the Dalad Minim. Welcome, Diane Twersky. Thank you. Could you give a, tell us what are some of the Shilas that you come across in Dalad Minim that our listenership should be aware of? So, an asterisk, we'll start with an asterisk. The most common Problems on asterisk are colors that don't belong on asterisk. Uh, halacha is that a mara shchira, a black color on asterisk, would make it possible in some cases, and a mara levana, a white color on asterisk, would make it possible. There are many other colors that come on asterisk, mostly brown and uh, what we call a black fleck, which is uh, the leaf, which is um, stuck on asterisk. Sometimes the thorns that the Asterisk grows on, the tree that Asterisk grows on has thorns and they would prick the Asterisk and push a leaf into the Asterisk. So, first thing one has to determine is if the uh, Mara, if the color, is a uh, color which makes the Asterisk possible. As, as I mentioned, black and, and white are the ones which make the Asterisk possible. Other ones, brown and, um, and that uh, leaf, the black fleck, do not make the Asterisk possible. Okay. So the first thing you look for would be colors. How common is it to possible an asterisk because of a Mara, let's say, Shchira, which let's say would pass? How, how common is that? If one, it, it's quite common to happen on the asterisk that come from the trees. When they're already sold, so some stores you would only have very nice asterisk. They won't have ones that have black dots. If you go to a shuk or a place, an open place that sells all different kinds of asterisk, you would find it pretty often. I don't know if it'll be one in 20 or maybe okay. maybe. I once heard I once heard from Rav Dick. He once come to you commonly that you'd say if you see this or you have this, you should go ask a Shaila. Tell our listenership. Besides for the for the Mara, yes, besides the Mara, yeah. There's a Chazazis, which is a, a, a pimple or boil on the asterisk. 
Um, most commonly, I, I see them all the way on the top of the asterisk. Uh, also, it's not so common. It's not so common, but it does happen. I, I have a couple of them in front of me, but you, it's, this is not a video program. But um, and uh, the asterisk has bleatus, which are bumps on the asterisk, and they're actually a sign of a nice asterisk. Asterisk looks different than a lemon. A lemon has smooth skin. Asterisk has a bumpy skin. Those are bleatus. If one was to puncture the bleatus with a needle, they, nothing would come out, maybe just a drop of juice. A chazazus or a pimple is filled with fluid. Such a uh, pimple will make the asterisk puzzle if it's on the top of the asterisk, on the chaita. What about on the lulav? What is the most common shaila you would um, see? The most, most common shaila on the lulav is, is the open top leaf, which did not really make it puzzle. But mostly when people look for a shragam, lulavim, they are very busy making sure that the, that the middle leaf, called the tiaimus, which is a continuation of the wood, the shedra of the lulav, is, is closed. Most important is that it shouldn't be cut off. If it's cut off, it's a really make it possible. And also, if it's opened in a way that makes it look like two, that would, um, what's called avid ki hemnik. Hemnik was a tool, a spacing tool that would space lines when a cipher would write. So if it would, it's a similar shape of a Y. The, so, the y, so if it's open like that, that would make it possible. Is it fair to say, Rabbi Tversky, that it's, Quite uncommon to have a lulav that's that open because it needs at least a share tef. It needs a, a considerable amount for it to be puzzle. Uh, to, to be puzzle because it's open, it's not uh, so common because even the tefach many sheeters would hold is, is yeah. kosher. And to be um, cut to off, to be open to make it like a hemnik, that would be more common, um, and that would be would be puzzle, but not so common. Not so common. And to be cut off is, is fairly uncommon. I mean, a person would see if it was cut off, unless it's a mashahu, which is really a, a very remote chumrah of the chayadam, which Shulchanar, even the Mishnaburu makes a way of. So is it fair to say that it's pretty uncommon, both of these issues? Yeah. So let's ask another thing. As, as a rub of a community, a younger man comes to you and he says, I want to buy an esrig. And a nice esrig is, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't even know. How much is a nice esrig, Rabbi Tversky? Uh, let's say $120. It's $120. And you know this fellow is not very, he learns in Kyle. I think Lakewood Kyle pays uh, $240 a month. So this is 50% of his monthly Kyle income. What would you advise this person? Um, they pay 370 something a month. Um, well, it's, so then it's... it's um, uh, it's uh, more than a third. It's it's forty percent of the uh, of what he earns monthly, right? So, what would you tell this person? Well, so, so it is a question what that means. per mitzvah, a third of the price more. I would not think that one is definitely one is not chayiv to do that. Um, I definitely one is not chayiv to, to spend so much on on an esrog. You, you definitely you could have um, kosher ones for much much cheaper. Twenty or thirty dollars, and you could get them with the ones for uh, for seventy, eighty dollars. People do feel that it's very important for them to have a nice asterisk, and you know, people spend money on all kinds of things. But I wouldn't uh, tell a person, you know, how or how not to spend um, if he feels that that's what he wants to do. Let me share a story um, with you. When I was in Eretz Yisrael, somebody came to Rav Shlomo Zalman, a younger man, and he had a beautiful estrig. Shlomo Zalman looked at the estrig, and he asked the, the, the fellow, he said, um, young man, did you buy your wife a dress for Yamtif? 
So he said, no, I, I didn't have the money. So Shleiman Zalman said, in that case, this asterisk is puzzle. Excellent story. Which I thought was a, a powerful story that, you know, it's, can you really, at whose expense is the asterisk, is the hidden mitzvah coming? Because there are many other mitzvahs. I'm curious, what's your reaction to that story? I think it's an excellent story. A person has to have, have priorities. Uh, you know, buying a, a wife a dress is explicit in the Gemara that it's a mitzvah of Simchas Yantiv, Isha Baila Masamcha. You can't forget about other mitzvahs and take, take on one and uh, at the expense of others. People have limited funds, limited resources, limited energies, and uh, we definitely shouldn't focus on one mitzvah as opposed to, to others. Uh, but uh, Asterix does is a mitzvah that creates harder. Everyone looks for a beautiful thing. People want it. Sometimes it's very important to a person. It's hard to, to gauge. Uh, and, right. You know, people, some people put all their kaisas into tzitzis. Other people put their kaisas into, you know, it's hard to, uh, to, to gauge a, sp- a specific, you know, Agreed. person on a personal level. But uh, generally speaking, it's definitely important. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi Therese, let me ask you a, a last question. We get so many different types of Israelim. You have the Chazenish, you have, you know, Badats, you have Yanava. Is there a particular brand of Esrik that you feel is more Miyuches, um, etc., that we should buy? Hard question to answer because there are, um, there are each one has their own Milas and Chazrenas. Morkov is possible. The place can say most Esregim are not Morkov. The Chazanish became very popular recently because the Chazanish did some, did two different Chazanishes, but that's uh, aside. He he did his research and he picked it, so it has a direct Messiah from an Adam Gadol who took it with the research. So so many people here in Lakewood especially opt for the Chazanish. Chasidim like to go with the Yanavo because they had a strong Messiah from the time of the Chassam Seifer and then before. So so people like to take the Yanava. Others don't. Uh, others feel that during the war years, there were times when it didn't have a strong Pikuach, so they don't take take those. Others, yes, or Hashulchan brings up to take from Eretz Yisrael, that way you support the people that live in Eretz Yisrael, and yeah, it's a Chavivus of, of, of Eretz Yisrael. It's been an honor to have you on with us, and we wish you a good Shkibenched Yar and a Simchas Yamtif. Amen. You too. Joining us from New York is Reb Yaakov Chalap, is really Reb Yaakov Moshe Chalap, and he is an anical of Reb Yaakov Moshe Chalap, who's been importing Esregim for over 40 years. He's a partner in Pardesim. He actually does the categorization. It's called the Miyun in Hebrew of the different qualities. Aleph, Beis, Gimel, ABC. He distributes thousands of Esregim in America. He has over 150 locations. He certainly would qualify as an expert by any standards. Welcome, Rabbi Chalap. Thank you so much for having me. Here's Shaila. What's a minimum esrig, and where do you go into the gedder of hider? Like when you go to the supermarket, Erev Sukkis, there's, you know, there's trays of esrigim lined up. You could probably buy one for $10, sets for $20. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm picking some minimal number. Are you yaitzu with those? Like walk us through. What are you yaitzu with? What's a mahudadik esrig? How much do could people, how much are the best esrigim go for? Give us a little bit of an education. Okay, so esrigim, like you mentioned, can sell. They're not necessarily sold in the supermarkets. They're sold like more in the in the street. You could go to Bar Park, 13th Avenue, and see thousands of esrigim Arab sukkahs. Like you say, for maybe $20 a set. They're selling them in Queens on Main Street and um, throughout the United States. 
an esrig typically, most esrigim are sold for a lower price, from $20, $30, $40, $50 in that range. And the esrigim that you hear that are being sold for $100, $200, $300, they're really very minimal. There's probably less than 5% of a pardis that sells for more than $100. So most esrigim are being sold on the lower end, and that's really what's left over that you can find in the street on Arab Sukkot. But if you want a nice esrig, you have to go to the Meicher, like right after, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Pretty much after Yom Kippur, there's not too many nice ones left. You categorize thousands of Israelim for 150 dealers. What is an Aleph? What is a Bez? What is a Gimel? An Aleph Israelim has to have a nice Gidl, relatively clean on top. People look for the cleanliness on top. The top third, the top half is the most important. If it has something a little blethel on the bottom, then people look away more. But the top, they want the top to be clean. So an estrogen that's completely clean, has nice shkiyas and bleaters, is a nice giddle, that's an olive estrogen. And, you know, an estrogen could always be nicer based on the next one that you see. But that's basically, if it has a little bit of a blethel on the bottom, but it's a nice shkiyas and bleaters, nice giddle, then it's a base. And if the giddle is not so nice, then it falls into the gimel category. So it sounds to me like it's the giddle that's the overriding driver here. And after that comes, you say, the uh, the Nikias, the cleanliness. Give us general pricing for an olive for a base and for a gimel. So a real olive esrig, like an olive plus esrig, could go upwards of $100. You know, they start at 100 If you really, really have a beautiful giddle and absolutely clean, you could go for two, 300 there, There's the stories of esrigen being sold for $1,000. But truthfully, there's not many like that. And there's a lot of them from the Yanova type. I don't deal with those, but those sometimes come a little cleaner. They don't have the shkias and bleaters like the Eretisrol Dikas Roigen, so sometimes they grow a little bit cleaner. And the cleanliness is a big factor, obviously, in this Roigen. And a base, so an olive would be 100 plus. A base is between what and what? So when I categorize this Roigen, I do it differently than other people. I pick up the esrig. If it's an esrig that I think could sell for 25 to $30, I put it in the gimel category. If it's 50 60 $70, I'll put it in the base. And if I think it could sell for 100 plus, we put it in the olive category. Where does a pitam? I didn't hear you mention a pitam. For a lot of people, that's very important, especially okay. if you see so, them. Right, right. So the pitam is, is interesting. In America, they teach you if it doesn't have a pitam, the esrig is possible. That's what they taught. That's what they teach you in school. But what they don't teach you is that if it grew without the pitum, then it's perfectly okay. But the question is when the pitum fell off. Sometimes I've seen a swagim, you're about to cut the asteroid, and the pitum is just very dried out and about to fall off, and people don't like those asteroids. So they want to make sure that the pitum fell off in the beginning of the growth cycle. A lot of people are mocked. That's why a lot of people are mocked to take a swagim with the pitum, because they don't know if the pitum fell off before. If the pitum breaks after the esrog is caught, you could usually tell. But if the pitum fell off just as the esrog is being caught, or right before or right after, sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah, because it has to do with there's an indenture in that. Is that correct? Right. So the earlier the pitum fell off, usually the more the indenture is. And right. when it fell off later in the growing cycle, sometimes you see a little piece sticking up. That's yeah. correct. That's what the price can make. So how much do you pay for a premium for a pitum? Let's go to Aleph Estrig. If an Aleph Estrig is a nice giddle, base would be 100. Now it has a nice pitum. Or what does that add on to it? So pitums typically go for more because there's less nice Estrigen with pitums. It's supply and demand. You know, um, it, and it depends on the year. Sometimes you have more Bali pitums and call it Balap. Sometimes you have more pitums. But typically, a nice pitum goes for more than a Bali pitum, typically.
And so, um, give, me, give me just a ballpark. What does it add on to the cost of an S-rate? But a nice Python could go for $150, $200 if you really want a nice a nice S-rate. Then you have Mufkarim again. It could go for three, 400 but very, very small percentage really sell for that price. Some, <laughs> some people want a Gartho on their S-rate. Correct, correct. Want to tell Dylan what that is? Sure, sure. So it's right and grow all different shapes and sizes, as people realize. The Xedom, a lot of people, a lot of people who are um, want a Gartel with a. By the way, a Gartel without a Pitten is very. Most people don't don't um, go for such an S rig, but they like a Gartel with a Pitten. To get a Gartel with a Pitten that has a symmetrical shape, and it's clean, is really one in a thousand. Why they go for so much money? How much do they go for? A nice gartel could go for two, three hundred dollars if you really find. I mean, there are plenty of gartels out there, but they're not, usually not clean. To get a clean, a clean asterisk and a gartel and a pitten and a pitten and a pitten, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult to find. And we put them away. I usually from 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 every uh, thousand, I maybe find uh, twenty twenty like that. Mm-hmm. It's a very small percentage. And w- with the, with the twenty five to thirty dollar esrig, are you yaitzer the halacha? So the answer is, I tell everyone, if you're not sure, bring the esrig to your rav. We don't give the the. I have rav Yaakov Meishtad, and he gives the hechsher on all our esrigim. And I met with him actually last week in Eretz Yisrael. I just came back, and he basically told me very clearly, you know, we're giving the hechsher on the paradis that it's not uh, Morkov, that the uh, you know that keep arla, they keep all the halachas. Next year is Shemitah. That's a whole other discussion. And basically, they're not giving the hechsher on the specific esrig. When you pick an esrig and you want to know if it's kosher, the best thing is to bring it to your rav, if you want to be 100% sure. I think, I think that's really important for people to know, that when they see on the box a sticker with the rav's name, it's not on the esrig, it's on the paradis. Correct. I, I, I think 99% of people don't know that. They write correct, but they that is that is um, and they and they don't write it on the label either, which is astonishing. They do sometimes when they they give a letter to the to the Balapardis that they're giving uh, on the growing of the Israelim. Yeah, but the Badat texture on the box does not say that. Talk to us about the difference between the the Moroccan esrig, the Yanavar esrig, Badat, the time in esrig, time in with the Pitim, Chazenish. Go through these different categories of esrigim. Okay, so there's different, there's, there's many different types. As you mentioned, there's the Esroigen from Morocco, Taimini, it's Chazanish Esroigen. What are the differences? People really don't understand what the differences are. I deal mostly in Eretz Yisroldic Esroigen and Chazanish, and a little bit Moroccan. Of course, next year, Shemitah is going to deal uh, more with Moroccan. By the way, just a, a side point, you know, people are concerned because after Rosh Hashanah is Shemitah, but all, our, all the Esroigen for this year are cut before Rosh Hashanah. There is Moroccan Esroigen. A lot of people hold that Moroccan Esroigim are the quintessential Esrig because it's not Morkov. Why? Because they were very primitive there and they did not know how to be Markiv, so that's the original Esrig from Morocco. A lot of people hold of that. Um, a lot of people take Chabad Esroigim. A lot of people take Calabria Esroigim from Italy. It's all based on Minhagim, and um, you know you can't start off with Minhagim. I respect everybody. If somebody tells me they want a Yanava or a Moroccan, then uh, there's not that. Follow your Minhag. People don't. Some people here? believe that a Moroccan Esrig is cleaner. Um, is a nicer giddle very often. So you know what? It's interesting. I've been to Morocco several times. And I can tell you that the Esroigim there in general are not cleaner than the Eretzitraldic Esroigim. It's just that most people who take a Moroccan Esroig want a clean Esroig, so they really don't ship a lot of the lower-grade Esroigim here. So that's really... So people think the Moroccan Esroigim run cleaner, but most of the Moroccan Esroigim are not usable. 
And what about the giggle? Uh, some people believe they have an icy giggle. On the Moroccan Asroidium? Yeah. So again, again, because they're really only sending the nicer Asroidium on Moroccan on the Moroccan Most of the cheap Asroidium are being st- are stayed there and they, they discard them. Just so what is the Messiah? What is the Messiah on Moroccan Asroidium? It's that they, they grew them hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and it was very primitive, and they didn't know how to be marked. That's what I heard. Years ago, there was no Hechserim even on the Moroccan Israelim. Today, they have Hechserim, but based on the, on the timing that it was such a long time ago, and they didn't know how to be marked, they, the, the, uh, they didn't know how to do it, that's, that's what I heard why people uh, rely on it. And So now and let's again, talk about the Yanavasrig, which is very similar. Right, so the Yanavah, again, is similar to Moroccan. People have a Messiah to use Yanavah's Reagan. A lot of the Chabad's, they use Yanavah's Reagan. And those do run a little bit cleaner. But again, they're only shipping the better ones. It's interesting, guys. I spoke to people from Italy. I don't really deal with those as Reagan. They told me that they go to the field and they show the, the growers or the cutters which as Reagan to cut. Not like an average straw where they're cutting all the as Reagan and then we make the categorization. They're paying for each as that they cut off the tree. So if it doesn't have a nice shape, you can't tell the cleanliness so much on the tree because you have to clean them. But you could tell the giggle that you could tell. They tell them which Esraigim to cut. So again, they're bringing mostly only the nice Yanava, so people think the Yanava Esraigim are much nicer. And they're much more expensive. The, Aren't they much more expensive, the Yanava Esraigim? Yes, because they're, all, they're only bringing the nice ones. So it has a sham that they're, they're more expensive. The, the nice Eretz Yisraelic Esraigim are also more expensive. And I believe the Mishnabura writes that you should only use Yanava. Here's the Lashir in the Mishnabura. He says, Interesting. He brings... Uh, I, I, I just discussed this last night with somebody. Our Esroigim, uh, 40 years ago, we used to write Becheskas Vadai Bilti Murkavim. And then someone told me, you don't need the word Vadai. It's Becheskas Bilti Murkavim. Every Esrig that we use today is pretty much Becheskas Bilti Murkav. Yes. It's, it's really impossible to, you know, to say. It's, a, it's, a, it's, all, it's Everything is Becheskas. Now, by the way, the Chsam, he's bringing it from the Chsam Saif and others. I mean, I'm no expert in this, but do the Yanava look different than the Israeli Esroigim? And the Chazanish, yeah, they, they, they look different. They, even the Chazanish, every Esrig has its look. And I'll give you an example. The Eretz Yisrael, the Kisroigim, have those skiers and bleaters, the regular skiers and bleaters. The, the uh, Chazanish Yisroigim, some of them, like they have from uh, Braverman, Kivalevich, Lefkovich, you'll see they have those Shtarka skiers and bleaters, like they're more pronounced. They're smaller. I happen to like them. Not everyone goes for that, but they're more like smaller skiers and bleaters and more, more pronounced on the Esrig. And then the Yanavas Reigim are more glopped, they're more smooth. So they don't have, so, you know, those big skiers and bleaters. And some, sometimes that's why they run cleaner, because the skiers and bleaters always the, the, um, create problems. Okay. Talk to me about the Badatsis Reigim. Where do they come from? So the Badatsis, there's no such thing really as a Badatsis Reigim. The Badatsis gives the Heksher on the Esroigim. And there's only a few Padesim, for some reason, in Eretz Yisrael, that they give a Heksher on. They give it on uh, Chabadis Reigim on the grossest field, they, uh, they give on a few pardesim, they give Badatz Eidach Haredes, and those have the Shem became a name like Badatz Esroigim. But there's, um, it's just the Heksher, one of the Heksher. So why did, what did, the, what did the Badatz rely on to, to get a Heksher on these? Because given that the Suffolk is Masaira, Murkov, and let's say the said the Yanavada best, etc., what, what, what did Badatz decide to put their uh, impetus on? 
Well, I know for sure I've gone around with the badats to the Pardesim. They look to make sure that they're really not Morkov. And you could tell if an Esrig tree was... Uh, this is... But the cow left the barn a long time. I mean, it could have been Morkov 500 years ago, but the time Chabad brought a Tashem, um, I mean, at the time Badats brings a Tashem, it's not going to be very helpful. I'll tell you a secret that people don't know, that, that they used to sell Morkovim in the United States after the State of Israel was established in 1950s and 1960s, they sold Morkovim here. They were called Stamas Reigim. Now, in the 70s and 80s, they stopped because Baruch Hashanah, there was a lot of Israelim, they didn't need to. But there was one time that they did sell Merkavim. So that's what the, the Badats came in and made sure that they stopped that, and they don't do that anymore. But the Badats, you don't know where the um, the providence of the Badats are uh, originally, where they're they're coming from. I, I, you'd have to speak to the Badats, actually. Okay. What about that. the Tayman Israelim? How are they different, let's say, than the Yanava or the Moroccan? So again, the Taimini Yisraelim, there's people that started a, a sort of a movement to everyone should take Taimini Yisraelim. They believe that that's their Messiah, to use Taimini Yisraelim. Now again, 50, 60 years ago, there wasn't that many. They planted more now, and there's more on the market. I, I've never dealt with them. I've always dealt with Eretz Yisrael, Dick Yisraelim. And interestingly enough, they plant Yisraelim in Florida and California as well. And there's a lot of people that use the California Yisraelim. But in my experience, people want Yisraelim from Eretz Yisrael. And that's why I've stuck with that over the years. Okay. Because that's what people really request. And the Chazanish which I, I think are also a little more of the pricier Israel, what's their providence and where are they getting them from? Right. So the Chazanish Israel was, the, everyone knows the Chazanish had a couple of trees in his backyard. And everybody, uh, you know, realized that those are the true Esroigim, and a lot of people took from those Pardesim, and now there's many varieties of Chazanish. There's, in fact, Chazanish Esroigim now that don't even look like Chazanish Esroigim, because they've been, over the years, the, the look has changed on them, and they look like almost regular Esroigim, but there's... Again, with the Chazanish Yisraelim, the people only want a good one. So what is unique about the Chazanish Yisraelim that's different than all the Esroigim? Manishtana Eshigazami Kala Esroigim. What's unique about it is the Chazanish had these Esroigim in his, in his uh, house, they say, in his backyard, and they, people believe that those Esroigim are, are uh, the real, the real uh, Bilti Morkov and the real Esroigim, so they tend to use those. And In fact, most of Lakewood uses those Esroigim. They look different. They, they have more shkias and bleaters. They, in the, in, in 20, 30 years ago, the Gidulim were very, very schwach. Not that the Gidulim was schwach. It's just that there wasn't so many Esroigim on the market, so they shipped everything. Today, there's more Pardesim. They make the Gidulim, so they pick out only the nice Gidulim and the cleanest ones, and that's what they ship to, to the United States. Now, I've heard that people could pay as much as 500 or up to $1,000 for an Esroig. Have, have you ever seen that? Yes, I mentioned that in the beginning. There are people that pay, you know, upwards of three, four, five hundred dollars but there's not that many Esroigim being sold. And what are they getting for 500 to 1000 Like, What do you get for that? You know, the Esroigim have a beautiful giddle, beautiful skiers and bleaters, very clean. Also, we didn't mention the color. The color on the Esroig is very important. It's like a diamond. You know, they compare it to a, to a nice diamond. If the color is nice, and the color only stays for a short time. An Esroig goes from green to yellow to brown, as, as everybody realizes. But to have it, that yellow-green color, it only stays like that for a week or two. So that's why it's so difficult to get a nice Esroig. Because even if it has a beautiful giddle and beautiful skiers and bleaters, and it's clean, but it could start be, it could start turning too yellow, and then right. it loses the. Uh, so, uh, so the, the person who taught me all the uh, the halachas of, of esrig, etc., his name was Martcha Ludmir Zuchayn Lavracha from Ludmir Zesraigim, and he used to tell me that a, f- a few days before 
Sukkis, if your lulav was green, you put it next to some apples and it turns yellow. Is, is that still the best way thing to do? You mean, you mean the asterisk? Yeah. You put the asterisk next yeah, to some that, apples and that turns it yellow for yomtiv. Correct. Correct. So that's, by the way, 20 years ago, that's what they did. They still, and I still was in a few pardesim now when I was in Eretz and I saw they still use apples and I was misspoiled. Because pretty much everyone now changed to gas. It's a it's a new modern system. In the last fifteen twenty years, they're using they put the esrogim in a small room, and depending on when the esrogim were cut, if they were cut for shkardeshelo, they give a little gas just to break the color. And by the way, they do this with all fruits. It's not only esrogim. It's it's not exclusive for esrogim. But if they were cut like later, they give a little more gas. Anything that's cut before shkardeshelo usually turns yellow on its own. But um, that's true. They still use that method. And they're small green, uh, small uh, apples, like the small red apples, and they put them, uh, but if you put too many, it's dangerous. The oxen could fall off, and the estrogen could turn too yellow. So you have to really know. So uh, let me ask you a question. If somebody's a Yerushalayim and he has two choices, he could buy a really beautiful estrogen with, you know, bleatis and, you know, and, and, and giddle, everything, right, from, uh, from, let's say, any one of these. Pick, uh, pick your favorite one from, uh, from uh, Badat's Chazanesh. Or he could spend less and buy one Moroccan, one Yanava, one Tamini, one Chazanesh. What do you think he's better off doing if he wants to be a to the Mitzvah? You really want to make sure you ask for this kosher. The cleanliness probably weighs the most. Well, if it's a market, it doesn't help that it's kosher. Right, right. But today, uh, today again, they're not they're not selling mukavim today. But they don't know. How would you know if if the, if, if it was of three hundred years ago? If your whole if your whole family history of your asterisk is a of you wouldn't know that. Which is what which is what the Chum right. says. He says the Yanavestrigim, or it's the Mishnah Berurings and other of other opinions. So are you, again, so are you better off taking the Moroccan, taking one Moroccan, one Yanava, one Badatz, one Taimani, one Chazanish, and say, look, I was Yitzel Chaladeis, or putting all your money on one and saying, I'm going to go with the Chazanish one, and if he was right, I hit it out of the park. But if not, maybe it's a Safik if I was Yaitza. What would you do? I don't know anyone who takes five at Reagan, but I do know people that take two. They'll make a bracha on one, they'll shake on another one just to make sure that they're shaking on a kosher Esrig. Esrig and Lulav. I do know people that do that, that do two. But um, my advice is just to follow your Messiah and to take the cleanest one. Esrigan, basically, the cleanliness. If an Esrig has a black dot or a hole, it could be a puzzle. But if it, the giddle is not as nice, or the shkiyas and blitas are not as nice, it's still a kosher esri. Might not be as mahudadik. And, you know, you have to find the best one that you could. But the cleanliness probably weighs the most in, in, in the sense to make sure the esri is a kosher esri. As far as it not being morkov, first of all, after a few generations, they're, they're, they were makel. They say that it's not such a problem. You, you really you want to make sure that the esri is, yeah, is not morkov right away, like... The tree, what they, they, you see the Badats looks at the trees to make sure if it was more of uh, 500 years ago, uh, a few hundred years ago, people, uh, you could, that, that you'll sure. never really know. Yeah, well, Rabbi Yaakov, really Rabbi Yaakov, thank you very much. It was an honor having you. Okay. Okay. Thank you so Kulta. much. My pleasure. Take care, Kulta. Joining us from Chicago is Rabbi Shlomo Francis. He's, uh, for 10 years, he's learned in the Chicago community called by his father. He's a Talmud of Yeshiva, Philadelphia. He wrote a sefer on the, on the halachas of Erevin, and Rechaim Kinevsky said, you finish with Erevin, go to Sukkah. So the, a, a good to hire them, the Dafyemi Commission, to give Shiram on Sukkah. He became an expert on Hilcha Sukkah. Welcome, Rav Shlema. Thank you so much. So t- talk us through, what is, discuss, what are some of the popular shilas that, as a Rav, people ask about the Hilcha Sukkah? Well, I, one, one of the things I get very often um, is, and I 
perhaps the most often is there. The shallow will start with, you know, there was a real chain in Matsuya, and this happened. My mask flew off, or the walls happened, or this fell down. And I guess after getting so many shadows that are all happening with Rosh Hashanah you start to think we're all these wins, were these really Enumatsuya wins? Um, and it's really a very hard question to answer. What is Matsuya and what's not Matsuya? Matsuya is supposed to be unusual. What exactly does it mean unusual? There's no clear definition. Um, but Moshe, he, he spells, to, he compares this to the Enumatsuya that we find by Nezikin. By Nezikin, let's say someone puts their animals in a barn and the barn falls down to Rosh Matsuya, so it's considered an Inus. He doesn't have to pay. I know no one was going to fall down. How could I have expected a, in this unusual one to come, right? So, Based on the way Rav Moshe compares it to Nezikin, I mean, let's say a 35 mile per hour wind. It's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty strong wind, but rarely a month went by. And I looked, I, I researched this. You know, rarely a month goes by now in New York, now in Chicago, without a 35 mile per hour wind. So is that in Matsuya? Is that like an Inus? And a lot of our circus wouldn't necessarily stand up to a 45 mile per hour wind. It could, you know, that type of wind that could gust to 45. So, you know, it's not is that really in Matsuya. And this, you know, Moshe sounds like that would really be considered real Matsuya. So then you'd really have to make your circus a lot stronger than a lot of our circus are built. So a very important thing I do feel is that people's circus should be built stronger. And this is something that happens all the time. The, the chach mats, they're very light and they catch the wind. They could often blow off. So I believe that's probably the most common issue that I've seen. Okay. And while you're talking about it, you might as well discuss. So a guy comes home from Shul on Yom Tif. He wants to make, you know, his wife at the table. A wind came and blew the mat off. Well, his chachos, is he allowed to call a guy to put it back on? Yes, I mean, there, there is, you know, Shul Kamenevsky is not to, to have a guy to put it back on. It's, you know, I guess it's a tarach mitzvah, and it's considered a rai. You know, so I guess there's a big tarach for it, so, you know, that would be allowed. The question is, if you're really going to get, if it's wolf the first time, Right, very likely, you know, unless it was really real shame material, it's going to probably whatever construction you were doing, whatever support system you have, was probably not sufficient. And, you know, if you could get a guy to say, okay, you know, please help me, my mat flew off, can you just please roll it back over? But if he's going to put the same you know, piece of wood or something that was there the first time, it's very likely it's still in Oberuch Matsuyo. You really have, it really has to be strapped down better. So, I mean, unless you're lucky, you're not going to have find a handy guy who's going to really get you to redesign your scotch covering in a way that will really be kosher. So this is something that really has to be anticipated before you enter. I don't know how likely it is you're going to get a guy to really do a kosher job on a scotch mat that blows off. Okay, so let's say there's a case where something freaky happened, a very big wind came, right. and it, 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 it blew off. And if you Right. Put it back on, there's a very good chance it'll stay till the rest of Yantis. Right. So the guy comes to you and knocks on your door of Shaiman. If I don't do it, I'm not going to be able to eat in the, sh- in the sukkah this, the first two days. Right? So what, what would you tell him to do? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if that's, you know, if, if it really could be corrected, you know, I would tell him to have a guy, guy do it. I mean, it's not completely most conversational. Kamenetsky does say that, you know, it could be some of that it is, if that is a short, the short, and it's most conversational, you could have a guy, you know, replace the shah. Right. The, um, so what, what Rabbi Francis is saying, I'll just give it a little explanation, is Amir al-Akam is also. But, but where it's a shvus to shvus, the makam mitzvah, most paiskim are matir, right? So here it's, uh, it's building, it's putting something on, 
We'll talk about why. And and it's Aliyah guy, so it's a shvus to shvus the Makkah Mitzvah. The question is, is that called a shvus putting the Sach on? It's two days in the Prima Gadim, whether, whether he's, he's knighted to say that it is called a Drabanan because because it's Aroi, let's face it, Sukkah But then his other Tzadah, he says, since it's Kavua, Lagabi Mitzvah Sukkah, maybe it's not called a rice. Maybe it's not called a shvus to shvus the Makkah Mitzvah. And then he's Masutik, he has another Safik, I believe, whether since he says that um, the Tysus sheet is that Eichel Nefesh, that Binyan for Eichel Nefesh is Mutter and Yamtif. He says that's another Tzad to be Mapter. And he says he's afraid, he doesn't know what to do. He's afraid to be Mapter. So it's sort of, and the Mishnabur doesn't clear, clearly say what to do either. So it's sort of up in the air whether you can. I think the Eichel is, is nice to do, like you say from Shmuel, that they would call a guy to do the, uh, to put on the, because uh, most Paiskim, the majority would say that it has, does have a Dinam Shvastashvast, the Makamet, so. So give us some of the popular shilas that you get. You said one of them is wind. What else? Yeah, another question is, um, and the schachmet. Um, you know, I know, and you know, there's there are a lot of different types of schachmets out there. There's this extra, that extra, and then the question is, I mean, there's a mission that says you're allowed to use a mat. Um, you know, he's a master schach. And the only issue is if it's made for shkiva, if it's meant for sleeping on, well, if it's sleeping on, then there's, and maybe it'll be Mikhail Tumma, because a new Tumma of Medris. You know, typically we say that anything that's made out of wood, or because of a schach, it's good, or it goes from the ground. Um, the only issue might be that if it's, if it, if it's Mikhail Tumma, and usually wood kalim, and not Mikhail Tumma, if you have, unless it's made into a kali. So if you have a wood spoon, a wood ladder, a wood chair, you know, that could be issues of being Mikhail Tumma. But if it's, if it's something that, if you have like a wood mat, which is clearly not Macalotuma, um, then that should be no issue. The only possible issue will be if it's something that you sleep on. So that's the mismatch thing that you sleep, you sit, you sleep on. So that's the only issue. So this, in, in our nowadays, I mean, no mat, I've never heard of a mat being used for sleeping on. So it should be very simple. You could use a mat. So what, why is it all these issues with the chairman? And I, you know, I do remember that there was a tumult some years ago that people were saying that, yeah, these mats, they're made in China. And in China, there are some villagers who might sleep on mats. And when I understand, the issue is not just that maybe someone sleeps on a mat. The issue is that these mats are only v'shchiva, and they have to be, they're, 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 inten- they're designated. And I can't imagine that because there's a few local people here, you have a big um, a factory, and the factory is manufacturing tens of thousands of mats for exports because there are a few local people who don't really, aren't really connected to the, to the main production of this, now we considered I'm listening. And I'm probably going to to agree with me on that. So I don't believe this was a big issue and whatever it is, it died down. So I would tend to agree with the, the Chazara of the Tumult. So I, well, what's left? Let's assume that's not the issue. So what is the issue with these Chachmen? And what it really boils down to is a different halacha. And this halacha is not mamish of so, um, There's halacha of maimed. Maimed is when you have something that supports, there's halacha, there's something that supports the schach. There's a dinner abundant that we don't want the schach to be supported by something that, that's not kosher for schach. You don't want the schach to be supported by metal or plastic that's not going to do them in arts or something that's macabre tuma. So the same way that you don't want the support beneath the schach to be something that's not, that's not possible pos, pos, for schach. Because people get, might get mixed up. They see a whole system covering my sukkah. There's metal, there's plastic. And you might think that the plastic is part of the schach and then that comes to new with it. So the, same, so the same thing, you're not supposed to hold the schach down or tie it or secure it. That it should be unbroken material using a material that's that's going to be pos- that's possible schach. So if you tie these mats are tied together with a possible material with a string that for whatever reason um, is possible schach. For example, it's not to do them in arts. 
any of these things will be an issue. So there, there are all these mats, they even even if thing that's not saying is not is gadumen or it's if they have flax and the shoe discuss if it's too processed, it's exaggerated people can't tell it's a natural material. So all these mats it seems to be like a race to have the most natural looking material, the least processed. Now if it's a little bit processed, it won't be so bad because the whole bit of mine is not an absolute true, and then if it's a little bit processed, it's not so clear how processed, but there's a different things in the Shabu, and there's no clear um, consensus there, but, you know, it's just three So when it comes to these mats, it the, seems like a race to get the most natural-looking materials. So the truth is, if you buy, go to the store, you see a mat, and you see the material holding it together, is clearly processed, clearly not processed, so it doesn't really matter which texture it has on it. It's, you can see with your own eyes that it's clearly no issue of mind, and then that's perfect to use for schach. Um, now, there's other, you know, some of the mats there have a little bit more process, and even if it's a little bit processed, you know, to use process, piston, and schach, don't do that, but to say that I shouldn't use it for maimed, you know, it's not a very, it's not so clear that maimed has all these there, they're abundant, so definitely to use a little bit of process, natural fiber, doesn't seem to concern us. So that's, you know, that's the issue with the mats. Now, there is a, on a you know, completely different track, you know, so most, a lot of the mats are there, like, on a race to get the most natural material. There are some mats out there that can completely bypass this whole thing, and they'll tie their mats, and it's so recently, you know, it's trying to do some research. It seems like, and I saw this mat, it was tied together with the monofilm and plastic materials. That, that, that seems to, like, completely, um, you know, bypass this whole issue of mind. Like, everyone's trying to get the most natural, and they just go right ahead and take a monofilm plastic thread, which is clearly not kadumen, or it doesn't go from the ground. So what's going on over here? So... Um, after researching it, it seems like there's a school of thought out there that you could take the mat, put the mat on top of your sukkah, put down enough weight on top of the mat that this mat is going to be um, held down by the weight on top of it. You put two by fours on top of the mat, put two by fours under the mat. Now the mat doesn't need the, the string anymore. So at this point, the moment will be your two by fours, and it won't be the actual string that's holding the mat together. Um, and, you know, so... Uh, that's, that's, and the truth is, you know, halakhically, I can't say everyone, but it's, that there's a very strong support for that, that if, the, if you don't need the string anymore, it's not really a maimed. You said it's too maimed. Well, Rabbi, Rabbi Francis, yeah. would you say then, let's yeah. say somebody uses a maimed, he holds the schach up with a metal beam. Right. So would you say that it's kasha? Because if you want, you have the option of taking a wood beam, replacing the metal beam, in which case it wouldn't be held up by the metal beam. Would you say in that case it's also not a maimed? Oh, so in that case, he has the option of taking out the metal beam, but at this point, the way it is right now, if you would take out the metal beam, what would happen to the schach? It would just fall right down. Or it would, you know, well, so then, in this case also, if you took away the string, it would just all fall apart or fly away, and it's only the weight that keeps correct. it. Correct. Oh, correct. So, in other words, they, the, this school of thought that is using the plastic string, they're assuming that you could put enough wood under it and over it that you can now rip the string, and the, and the wood will, and the little pieces of bamboo will stay put right where they are, just from the weight on top of it and just from the support below it. So that's the that's the assumption. So why would it be? So why would it be that be different than metal? You could put a metal, take away the metal, and put a wood under it and over it that'll support the schach. So you're saying, let's say I have a bunch of supports. Let's say I have six beams supporting my schach. Three are metal, three are wood. So I could take away the three metal, and the three wood would still be there. But is that okay that I could have the three metal poles? That's what you're asking. And right, even if now, even even if they're all metal, you could you could bring in sixteen new wood supports and say, look, snap out this, put in this. Nobody ever knew. You don't care now. It is a mime. So if you're using it the way it is, you say, but it's going to blow away or it's going to collapse. I could put wood on top of it. Okay, you could put wood on top could, of it, no, and I could no, put wood under the could. beams. And, 
Now, correct. Now, you're not saying that you could. If you, you mean at the time, I understand. Okay. Right. Right. So they're saying that as long as you put a lot of support below it and a lot of support. It doesn't care. Yeah, so who cares? So who cares? So who cares that there happens to be a wood thing? So now, you know, so who cares that there's also this plastic string? I don't need the plastic string. It was just there to help me roll it out. So there, so I would just say, Achillik, Rabbi Francis, I would just yeah. say, Achillik, that a maimed means something that's supporting it. So let's say right. you have a metal beam. Without it, it's going to fall. Correct. The, the mat, it's there. The the, the the string is to prevent it from flying away, it's this, it's that, but it's not like without the string, it, it, it would just fall into the sukkah. So one is direct, this is the maimed. One is no, it's to prevent, after it's there, something bad for happening. So the art question would be, is that also a maimed? A nail is a maimed, without the nail it would fall apart, right? This is secondary, it is where it is. I, it's gonna fly away, it's gonna get very, it's just a bunch of hair, it's gonna get all tangled. Okay, for that I have the string. Is that also have a den of maimed or is it secondary to maimed? And so I, you know, I believe they say that's far, but only after, that, in other words, after you put another piece of wood on top of it, and now it's being held in place. So then they say that, sort of like what you're saying, you know, so that, that 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 string is not there. But if the bottom line is there's nothing else, that's clear. Everyone everyone seems to agree that if the only thing that's holding this matter, if I don't put wood boards on top of it, I just use rely on this plastic string, and I and I clamp down the two ends and not the middle, and then the, the plastic string is necessary. Everyone seems to agree that that's also combined because without it, it's going to fly away. Now, once can you put you, the wood on top... I understand. Can you tie the string to the sucker? Can you tie with a with a string that's not macabre to uh, it's uh, Could you tie it? To, could you tie down your mat? So most places can say yes, and it's almost fair to Mahaber, but there is there is a, there is one sheet out there, and I don't really understand it that says, but I, I believe most you know said that you shouldn't tie down a mat with string because it makes it like a ticker, it makes it like a roof. But I, I don't believe that's acceptable. So I'll tell you, it was my sister Hayami, I was in Eretz Yisrael, and uh, I, I was living next to um, Diane Fisher, and I asked him this question, and he said it's a beferish atayshus on sukkah and the beizam adalus. Taisa says that why is Geshem B'chag considered a klola? Put very thick, put very heavy boards on, not, you know, not, and would prevent, you know, put boards on, and, this, and the rain won't be able to come through. So Taisa right. says because you need a diras aray and not a diras kva, and if you do it in a way that, in such a way, it's called already a diras kva. So he said because of that, you would not be able to tie it down, it would give it a din of a diras kva, according to Taisa. Taisa says, right it's a din of kva by sukkah. So he said, right. if you, if this, if the schach is not mobile, if it's if it's attached, it would have a din of keva, and you can't. So he right. said, Lamashal, and and by the way, I was my my I was in Eretz Yisrael in um in the in the in Rav Gusman's Shul, and they had over there the schach where they, they they it's like it's like an outdoor porch, and it's right. it's a type of a gazebo where they they don't nail in the, the boards, but they them into these like channels, into these like you know carved out rivets, and they plug in that it mamish can't move. 
And I wouldn't make I, I wouldn't make a bracha in the second. He was I don't know if this was after his tear. I'm talking about a few years ago. I was there, and I told the guys I said you can't make a bracha in the sukkah. Why? Because lachayra at that point it has a din of kvar, and I, you know obviously everybody in the shul disagreed with me. But this is what mm-hmm. this is what Rav Fisher told me. And I actually asked him, could you make a sukkah on a boat and tie it down? And he said, no, it would be a problem because of that. So it was just an interesting... Uh, yeah. No, it was... Yeah, I understand, but it, it was... Tava is something that's, you know, it's discussed by the Rishon, but now, now, now it's not as messmate or being Tava. Um, you know, a lot of places can hold that tying it down is not an issue. So Kamnesky says that it, that's just tying, because it's not the derech. A lot of other places can also say that it's not the derech to make a tikra out of, out of string. So a lot of places can hold just tying down the mat. Is, it doesn't have an issue of, of kvah. The question is, what are you tying it down with? So a lot of the mats come with some extra fibers. So you could tie it down using their natural fibers so that the maimid won't, you won't have an issue of maimid with the Ramakabotoma. So they put, they give you extra natural fibers. So that's, that will be, uh, you know, that would be pretty, pretty, most places can hold that that's fine. And the mats come that way. They come with the extra fibers. You could tie it down. And it's important to tie it down this way. You don't have it, it doesn't have an issue of, you know, you know, but I was, what I was saying before was that, the, you know, there is a, a school of thought out there that you could just use a plastic string for the mat. And what I found, and a friend of mine tried it, like he got one of these mats and he put wood on top, wood on bottom, and then he cut the strings. And within a few minutes, the the little teeny pieces, they just, they, they, they sag, they go sideways up, and they were gone within a few minutes. They were not on Baruch Metzius. So, you know, I, I had another friend who tried it in Phoenix, and he said he's sure that it would work, maybe in Phoenix where there's no wind. But I would be very, very skeptical of trying to make a contraption that would, that, that really solved we can hold down a mat not using those things. So I would really recommend if someone is using a mat and they want to be in a mat, mat is not completely likuva. So only, some people can't be a mat, they have a metal frame, they can't figure out, you know, how to lift their schach off the metal frame. You really should be put some two-way fours on top of it, but not everyone knows how to do all that. So if someone's not being mat for a mat, it's fine, but you really should be. The Mishagur says, because they usually mat for it. So in that case, people should really spend that $60 and get a mat that has that has a natural fiber. Now, whichever hexer doesn't really matter. As long as you can see that it's a natural fiber, then you are you know that they're being mat for that halacha mat. What about going on vacations? You know, people want to go to Great Adventure on Purim or in Archistral. They want to go out to the Banyas, and they're going to spend the whole day, and they're not going to be able to eat in the sukkah. Are you allowed to be mighty yourself from mitzvah sukkah? I, you know, there, there, there's, the truth is, you know, it seems like there is a little bit of a minute that's, that, you know, that people don't do that. They try to be masked with eating sukkah even on vacation, even they're on big trips. Now, there's two things here. First of all, what's considered a trip? You know, what point do you consider a halche derech, right? It's not just all in tchum. Shmuel kind of gives a gather that somebody who's, he said that it's, uh, you know, if, if someone would call it a trip. Now, I, I think I'm just, I'm not sure if I really have any more direction after here than after that, but apparently if it's, you know, if it's very close, it's something that you just go and come back and, you know, you still consider near your house. Then there's the short note to our feeding a sukkah. Now, you know, I've, I've always grown up that, you know, we, in these trips that we take home, no matter what, where we make sure to get a sukkah. And it's based on the two of and I do think it is somewhat accepted. Ramayshah says that it's not considered, you don't have the tool of halachay derech if you're going on just a pleasure trip. It's not, doesn't really count as a halachay derech. Which, by the way, Ramayshah is very mechudish because the Shulchan Aruch puts no parameters on it. It says halachay drachim, Torah menasukah. Ramayshah says, no, it has to be dafka for a tzairach like parnasa or mitzvah, this, that. If you're just going for a teal, that's not called halachay drachim. None of the paiskim that precede Ramayshah, and I mean, this, this Gemara is, is, you know, a few thousand, 2,000 years old, say this. So it's, it is right. a very big chiddush. 
Yes, correct. And, and, you know, it always bothered me because it doesn't, it's not mentioned that way. And just the opposite, it doesn't sound, it sounds like once you're Hoche Derech, the reason is not because, like, it's a Bidiev, but it's just once you're Hoche Derech, people leave their house and then they don't, and that, you know, there's a patient pain to do. You're supposed to keep your sick like your house. It's normal so if people go on trips and they don't necessarily make an effort to stay near their house so they should be able to be able to eat by their house. So the same, same thing, you could go on a trip and, and do it. And, you know, so that always bothered me in a social economy, like he was bothered in the same way that you, you know, you shouldn't be going on this trip. Now, you know, so it definitely, definitely seems like there's a good mark on Mahako, but I, you know, I, I do feel that there's, it seems like this was somewhat accepted, this stack of Ramesh, even though it's Mahodistic. I'm not necessarily saying that it shouldn't be fallow, but definitely for, definitely for Katan. And, and, and the truth is, it's, for adults, it's very easy, usually should be pretty simple to avoid it. There's a lot of, you know, nowadays most of our meals on her bed anyways, you could eat a pretty decent meal out of your sukkah without, without, without washing, without having a real chi of sukkah. So maybe you wouldn't like to eat a full meal with, you know, meat and potatoes out of your sukkah in your house, but if you're this you're on a trip, that's for sure okay. And again, you know, the question is one of the questions is exactly what's defined as a trip. You know, what's considered far so enough. So here, here's the Shiloh, okay? On one hand, it's a, you're saying, look, let's not be maker, let's be machmer. Right. Right. On the other hand, there's a musig of simchas yamtis. So if the guy, the, all the kids, they say, we want to go to Great Adventure, and the father says, I'm sorry, we can't go to Great Adventures because of the mitzvah sukkah. So he's he's arguably being Mamayat and Simchas Yamtis, right? And he's arguably not even going to be Makayim Mitzvah Sukkah because that Achil is not Teishvokein Tadaru. So it's funny right. when on one hand a Kula turns into a Chumrah turns into a Kula. Let's be right. Mamayat and Simchas Yamtis. Let's, let's do something that we ordinarily would not do. The Silva Sarf Sternbrook brings from the Aderis. He used to be Makbid never to leave his Sukkah, the whole Sukkah. Until the Aderis mm-hmm. himself said, I think I'm making a mistake. Because the mitzvah sukkah is duru. If I'm living in my sukkah in an unnatural way, I'm not being makayim teishu duru in the sukkah. Yeah. Interestingly. So it's like a lot of times in halacha, a kula one way, a chumrah turns into a kula. You know, so, and I saw Rav Sternbuch take a right. You, 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 because of Simchas Yamtiv, you should take your kids on the trip. He brings Ramosha, he disagrees with Ramosha. You know, a lot of the, and you're saying you could eat, you can, you say, we're going to go, we're not going to eat any hamaitzi. Well, maybe you're being mamayin and Simchas Yamtiv. The kids come home a whole day, you know, I'm not on Atkins. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I'm saying Ramosh's psak is his psak, but yeah. I'm saying Ramosh's psak is um kaimem munach and Ramosh is al but I'm just pointing out the other side of this. Let me share with you an interesting story. I'm curious. When I was in yeshiva, there were a few boys that built a sukkah. We always used to build a sukkah on the roof of the yeshiva. So a few guys built a sukkah. Three guys or four guys got together, and one guy snored terribly. So they told them, we want you to leave the sukkah. And he said, no, I chipped in. They said, good, but you're staring while I was asleep. So they went, and I remember this a long time ago. They went to Shlema's Almond, supposedly, and they had a dentira. And this guy, these guys said, look, we want him out. He's snoring. We can't go to sleep. And this guy said, very lambdisha thing. He said, when I go to sleep, I'm a chayiv in sukkah. When I start snoring, they are putter from sukkah because they become a mitzdayer. And they're Aynas Rahman Apatre, right? So if I care, let them leave the sukkah because they're putter at that point, and I'm a mechayiv. Uh-huh. Well, you could have said the other way that look, if you're going to snore and you're going to bother everyone else, so then you would have you would leave if you keep waking. So he's saying, Fakert, you're part of from the mitzvah when I snore. I'm a chayiv in the mitzvah. Since I'm a chayiv in the mitzvah, you should leave. I shouldn't leave. Uh-huh. I think mean, he could also say he should leave to accommodate. That might also be true to accommodate everyone else. But yeah. No, but but, but his point would be no. But his point is is I'm not allowed to accommodate you. If you're potter from the mitzvah, then I'm a chayiv in the mitzvah. Because uh-huh. as soon as I snow, you'll be potter to go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Interesting, okay. Shaila. So Shlomo Zalman supposedly told the boys, 
maybe he's right. But once he's sleeping, at that point, he's potter and mitzvah. So carry him out of the sukkah, because he's potter, and then you go to sleep, and you're mechayiv in the mitzvah. Really? Uh, so they could, once he, he held that way in general, or just because he held that that uh, since a yasha and his potim and a mitzvah, so, so, once he's sleeping, so, so take, carry, take carry him out, and you guys go to sleep because he was right. So the, so the Velt argued under asked under Shlomo's Alman. They said we don't make a bracha to sleep in the sukkah. Why? Because because I forgot which of the Paiskim says why. Because you don't know you're going to fall asleep. See, that's why you don't make a... Right. Don't make a the Shaila is, why do you make a bracha amapal? You don't know if you're going to fall asleep. Okay, yeah, and the Indian of sleep is not necessary. So, so the Velt says, because mapil is hamapil chavleshena, who makes my eyes heavy, it's about going to sleep. Even if you don't fall asleep, you still make hamapil. Whereas uh-huh. the mitzvah shina sukkah is not about going to sleep. The mitzvah is sleeping in the sukkah, and you don't know if you're going to sleep, so therefore you can't make the bracha. So the Velt tainet, or maybe this guy tainet, so you see from this, that if I can't, mitzvah sukkah is sleeping in the sukkah, even when I'm not aware, that's where I don't make a bracha. The mitzvah is not a mapple, the mitzvah is a sleeping. So if that's the mitzvah, I'm not an oinus like all other mitzvahs, that is this mitzvah. So if that's the case, you can't carry me out of the sukkah. The mitzvah is to sleep. Yeah. So you can't say carry him out at that point, he's not being kind the mitzvah. That is his key mitzvah, to be without das to sleep. And that's why he doesn't make a bracha, because he doesn't, it's not the falling asleep, it's the actual sleeping. So therefore, you can't carry me out. I don't remember where it ended. I just thought it was a very Chicago yeah. Misa. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, there is such a tumble in, in Halacha Misa, just in general, because if you're, you don't have enough space, you have a small circle, you don't have enough for all your kids. So you'll tell them once they fall asleep, you'll carry them out. And I know it's very, it's very questioned if that's the Mahalach. Same idea. Yeah, same idea. What would you say, Rabbi Francis, the guy who's going to, walking down the street, he wants to eat in a pizza store, and they have one of these pop-up suckers, it's in Rosh Hashanah, right? It's open. It's a big opening. There's no doorway there. There's no way anybody's sleeping in such a sukkah in the middle of Manhattan or whatever it is, 13th Avenue, with the door, no door with people passing. We know the Mardachai says a sukkah has to be right for all the mitzvahs hayayim. Since this is not a sukkah, that's Roy Lashina, could you, eat, could you eat pizza in that sukkah? Or do you say, look, well, you're not Makayim, it's a sukkah, and you shouldn't buy pizza there. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we had that, we had that question a few, you know, years back when I was a barker, so we had, there was like a shooting around the block from my house, and we were all, and, and my father was saying, okay, we, we can't sleep in the sukkah, you know, we were, all, we were all a bit shaken up. So, you know, I said, well, listen, we can't sleep there, then we can't. We can't eat there either. It seems like people, you know, again, it is a little bit schwer, but it does seem that at the end of the day, you know, we are naive to eat in circus that people that are theoretically um, right for sleeping, there's people who are scared to sleep there. So it does seem that that's, we somehow have gotten past that, that issue, even though there, it is a kasha. You know, it does sound like an issue. Now, my concern with, the, you know, these pop-up circus, again, I had a neighbor who put up a pop-up circus right next to his house. Now, supposedly, if you tie them down right, it's not supposed to happen. But over circus, it fell down a bunch of times. And over seven days, it, literally every other day, it was, it was, it, it fell down again. So, and I would strongly question how the feasibility of making these pop-ups is in a way that's really I mean, the whole thing doesn't, you know, the whole thing weighs a couple pounds and the, with the schach mat, you know, I would question, you know, I would definitely want to look at the engineering and how it's tied down and all those things to make sure it's really unbroken because that's a real soul. And not only that, people don't realize this when you, you know, a lot of times you could have a, a, a sukkah right next to a big building and it's shielded from the wind. Now, luck is that we look at the unbroken matriya, point to most place, can we look at it as if it's in an open field. So I don't believe it's, very possible to make one of these 
real light circus be unbroken if it's not being shielded from the wind, even if it is shielded. I'm talking about when I when my my backyard, my neighbor, it was it had it has three sides. It had uh, three or four story buildings on three out of the four sides, and it still came down a couple times over one circus. So I you know I, I'm, that's my my main concern with these type of circuses if they're really able to be unbroken. That would be my concern. And then our royal shiva. Rabbi Francis, right. thank you very much for your time. It's an honor to be speaking to you. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye.